Let's pray. Father, thank you for making us your sons. Thank you, Lord, for the wisdom and instruction from your word that we are going to see today. And Father, thank you mostly for Jesus Christ, the righteous Son, in whom we have refuge and an example and a hope. I pray that you would bless the words which you have spoken to us through the scriptures. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. You can have a seat. One time when I was young, I was about 16 years old. I guess I'm still young. This wasn't actually that long ago. There was this kid in my town, and he was just out on the town, Watson, blooming metropolis of 500 people. And he was with his friends, and they were hanging out, doing normal stuff, biking around, longboarding, skateboarding. And fresh off of the book of Proverbs, this one of these really wise guys had a really wise and really great idea that he should get on his longboard and hold on to the hitch of his buddy's truck. And so he did that. And eventually, in doing so, he fell forward and rolled and broke both of his arms horizontally this way. And when he came home, and his arms had two elbows each, and his arms were doing things arms don't do, I can assure you, a glad father he did not make, but he did bring his mother sorrow. I was the kid. <laughs> this is just one example of how a, a son's wisdom or lack thereof can affect him and the people around him and his parents and ultimately bring blessing or ruin to himself. And the book of Proverbs has a lot to say on this issue. And so today we're going to be looking at what it looks like to be a wise son or daughter. And along with that, we'll be looking again at the effects that this has on the mother, the father, and also the son or daughter themselves. So breaking these verses up in Proverbs was, was actually quite tricky. Uh, most of them, as you've seen, say very similar things or quite distant things from, from what the rest are saying. And, and yet, even in all of those similar things, slight variations in wording, slight variations in the way that they're written or spoken, it can shed worlds of, of fresh insight on what we're going to see today. So we're going to look at that. And something to keep in mind here that's quite heavy in the Proverbs, and these Proverbs especially today, is this idea of parallelism. And we've been seeing that lots. And so all that is, fancy word, just saying one thing, and then saying it again in a different way. Lots of times positively and then negatively. So let me give you an example. Proverbs 13.1. A wise son hears his father's instructions, but a scoffer does not listen to rebuke. And the purpose of this, again, is, is often to contrast two things. So in this case, a wise son and an unwise son. And even with these Proverbs divided into categories and themes that we're preaching on, thanks, Tim, by the way, that's very helpful, it can still feel quite scattershot. So, so what I did here is I organized this group of, prod, uh, of Proverbs into three sections we're going to look at. So if you're taking notes, uh, one, two sorts of children. So the first section, here's where we're going to camp out and spend most of our time just looking at two sorts of children, wise and unwise. Second, we're going to look on the effects that this has on the parents of the wise or the unwise children. 
And third, the effects on the child. So the last section we'll look at how under the old covenant, the obedience or the disobedience of a son would either either bring blessing or curse on his own head, and more on how the covenant affects that all later. So, with that, let's begin in Proverbs 13, 1. A wise son hears his father's instructions, but a scoffer does not listen to rebuke. Now, when the verse here says that he hears his father's instructions, it doesn't just mean he he you know, registers what his father is audibly telling him. He just hears it, goes in one ear and out the other, and now he knows what his father said. It actually means obedience. The word here actually carries a sense of obedience to what his father is saying. So, Dad, I'm not just going to hear what you have to say. I'm going to hear it, and then I'm going to do it. And the instruction here, well, yes, is, is general basic things that your parents would instruct you to do. Don't say that. Don't touch that. Don't eat that. It's also much more. So, so let me read from you a, a section from Deuteronomy 6 that I think will help us here. Hear, O Israel, again, that idea of obedience. Obey, O Israel. The Lord our God, the Lord is one. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. And you shall teach them diligently to your children, instruct them to your children, and you shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lay down, when you rise, and you shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. And you shall write them on the doorposts of your house and your gates. So there's a pattern going on here. God instructs the dad in the law of the Lord, And the dad is supposed to receive that from God and then instruct his child in the law of the Lord, his son. So when it says a wise son hears his father's instructions, it actually means a wise son obeys the law of the Lord through his father. A wise son obeys the law of the Lord, the Lord's command through his father, the father as the one who the Lord has put over his son for this instruction. This is why Proverbs 28, 7 says, the one who keeps the law is a son with understanding, but a companion of gluttons shames his father. Want to be a wise son? Keep God's commands by obeying your father. Want to shame your parents? Forget the law of the Lord and his ways and become friends with gluttons who are concerned with indulging in all of this life and what it has to offer. But you can't do both. So, children, here's how a godly son is supposed to react to the authority of their dad. Dad, God gave you authority over me. I want to obey God, so I'm going to obey you, and in doing so, obey God. So, Dad, I'm going to obey you. I won't just hear what you have to say. I'm going to hear it, and as an act of faith in God, I'm going to do it. There's there's two things to clarify and note here. One, I am not saying you only have to obey your dad when he has a black and white letter, scripture quote from God's word or from the law. I'm not saying you only must obey your father when he can quote a verse. Because like we've seen in Deuteronomy, it paints a picture of a father influenced by the law of the, war, uh, by the, law of the Lord and that manifesting itself in his commands to his sons throughout all of life. Everywhere they go, when they're rising, when they're going down for bed, when they're walking by the way, in everything, what it looks like to obey the law of the Lord. 
So the law of the Lord influences the Father, and then if you want to obey that through the Father, you will obey him. And that comes out in many ways. So for example, and young guys, listen here, your dad telling you to wear deodorant is actually an example of your dad telling you to love your neighbor as you love yourself. So unless our parents are instructing us to sin, there are extreme cases of abuse and things like that, but unless our parents are instructing us to sin or disobey the Lord, we need to just do what they say, trusting that in doing so, we are obeying what it looks like to obey the law of the Lord. Second thing to clarify, we're not permitted to disobey our parents or become spiteful of their authority if we feel that they're bad parents or incompetent parents, or even if they actually are incompetent parents, that doesn't free us up from obeying them. Well, why? We just saw we're not obeying our parents because our parents are worthy to be obeyed. We're not obeying dad because God said, I will place over you someone worthy to be obeyed. We're obeying dad because God said to obey dad. It's in the law of the Lord. God is commanding you to obey your father. So nobody, except, again, for extreme cases, abuse, nobody gets off the hook here. And God is competent and wise to instruct us in what's right and good. And so this is totally contrary to our culture, which says parents, especially, you'll probably hear them called boomers sometimes, they're kind of detached, they're kind of, you know, pretty naive. They just really don't get what's going on. And so, you know, even if we'll respect them to their face and be kind to them behind their backs, we can do something different than they're telling us because they just don't understand. That thinking is evil. That thinking is demonic, probably influenced by Satan and the flesh. It's unwise. And that thinking is against God's word to us. So 13.1, a wise son hears, obeys his father's instructions, but a scoffer does not listen to rebuke. So the people who think this way like the world, they are called scoffers who do not listen to rebuke. And if you follow the theme of the scoffer throughout Proverbs, that is not a category that you want to land in. There is a sense here in which obedience to the whole book of Proverbs would be what it looks like to be a godly son. Because if you read through the book of Proverbs over and over, you're going to notice it's always directed, my son, my son, my son, listen to me. So the whole wisdom in the whole book of Proverbs is a father's instruction to his son. And so obeying all of it could be what is in this sermon. Everything here is directed from father to son. And those things will flesh themselves out in future sermons as we go through the book of Proverbs. So Kids who want to obey your parents and be wise and godly children, keep listening in the next sermons. There will be lots there for you. But what we're going to do today is unpack this handful of verses that are directly addressed to a son that are specifically explaining and contrasting wise and unwise children. So we'll start with uh, Proverbs 10.5 next. And it shows us how a godly son or daughter obeys through work. 10.5. He who gathers in the summer is a prudent son, but he who sleeps in harvest is a son who brings shame. So in this culture, at this time, families were directly supported and fed by the work of their own hands on their own land. So a son who wasn't 
disciplined enough to be diligent in this work. He wasn't prudent. He was going to starve after the harvest. He slept through it, right? And so he brings shame, but it doesn't say who he brings shame on. So here's two ways he could bring shame. One, he brings shame on his parents. Whether or not his parents taught him better than to be a sloth during harvest is irrelevant because him being one is going to look like they didn't teach him better. So he brings shame and reproach to his parents because it looks like they did a worse job probably than they did raising him. Secondly, he brings shame to himself because now he's, he's known as and experiencing the consequences of being a lazy son. But a lot of us don't live in this kind of culture or set up anymore since the Industrial Revolution. So how do we apply this verse to ourselves? Well, the principle here, sons and daughters, is, is discipline. A disciplined son is a, is a son who is wise and will be blessed. So being on the ball, not sleeping in or, or being lazy when you could have been productive for your own future, for the honor of your family, for the reputation of your parents. So, application here, children, be disciplined. Set a schedule. Make your bed. Clean your room. Have discipline and order. And one way we can do this today, one way to be disciplined with all of the free time that we have in the modern era, is to be disciplined with your mind. So consider this quote from a commentary on the verse. The wise son gathers his blessings at the appropriate time. It is as much the will of God that the young should gather knowledge as the farmer should gather his harvest. How often can we trace poverty of mind, enervation of character, and unprofitable habits to sleeping during the harvest? He who idles away the time of his youth will bear the shame of it when he is old. In other words, young people, be prudent, wise, ahead of the game, and harvesting wisdom, obedience, and insight from the word of God while you're young. Because if you don't, when you're old, that's going to come back to bite you, and you're going to say, man, I wish I was light years ahead of where I was now, and I could have been if I started when I was young. Sleep during harvest, you starve. Sleep while the word of the Lord has much for you to gain from it, you'll starve spiritually later. So neglecting this while you're young will bring shame. So instead, instead of following the course of this world, grow in the word of God and bring godly honor to your family by conforming to it while you're young. Now next, let's look at Proverbs 19.26. And in this verse, we're going to see the extent of the chaos that can come with an unchecked, unwise son, an ungodly son or daughter. 19.26. He who does violence to his father and chases away his mother is a son who brings shame and reproach. The violence done to a father here might be physical, and that's way more common today than you guys might think. But what's more likely and almost worse than physical violence done to a father 
is the wealth drain and the mental energy drain and the health of a father being deteriorated by a disobedient son or daughter. So throwing away their father's hard-earned money instead of earning their own, commanding and back-talking like they own the place, and often fathers will just cower to this, take no responsibility, rebellious, abusive lovers of self, no respect or reverence for the ones who gave them life, the home that they're living in, the clothes on their back. This will deteriorate a father and spend him in a way that is appropriate to call violence towards a father. And often, these sorts of situations lead to so much marital conflict and strife between the mother and the father that it can often lead to divorce. And so that's why the second half of the verse says he chases away his mother. I, and I'm I'm sure many of you have seen this sort of situation play out a handful of times, a son or daughter so hell-bent on getting their way, on being the head honcho that they'll even allow divorce if necessary, and sometimes in crazy situations, that's the goal of an ungodly son or daughter, just to cause marital strife. Because they're disconnected from the fact that I need to honor mom and dad because they gave me life, that they've put themselves above them, see themselves as better than them, and want to cause tension between them. They've become the judge in their home. They've become the arbiter of what needs to happen. This is the result of an unchecked, wicked son or daughter. In contrast to that, how are we who fear the Lord supposed to regard our parents? Proverbs twenty-three, twenty-two: Listen to your father who gave you life. So think in line with this proverb with me here. My father gave me life. I wouldn't be here without him. He had thoughts deeper than my thoughts before I was even thought of. And whether I like it or not, God has put him above me on the totem pole. God has chose him to be the one to create me. So I'm going to listen to him. I'm going to honor him. Whether I like it or not, he's above me. I'm going to listen. And then the verse continues. Do not despise your mother when she is old. So there's a connection here. Honor your parents because they gave you life and regard them when they are old. Here's the connection. When you were given life, when you were a little dependent, helpless baby, inconvenient, messy, diapers needed changing, parents needed to get up in the night to care for you, they did this for you with joy after giving you life, the whole deal. One day, your parents might be dependent. They might be inconvenient. They might need care, need things that you don't want to do. They might get sick. They might lose some of their abilities. And to avoid to deal with this would be to despise, to hate your mother when she is old, according to the Proverbs. So a godly child, understanding where they came from, understanding the structure of authority, what their parents sacrificed for them, they will have a plan to take care of their parents when they're old or when they're dependent or when they are needy. As inconvenient as this is, as countercultural as this is, because our culture often defers this task to the government, to homes. Maybe we pay the rent in the home that we put them in. We might call them on Christmas. 
That's pagan. That's unchristian. And that's evil to regard our parents in that way, to disregard them in that way. It's worse than an unbeliever. 1 Timothy 5.8. What I'm not saying is that there's never a time to defer our parents to places where they can receive the care they need. Of course there's a time for that. Of course that's appropriate many times. What I am saying is maybe we draw that line a little too soon very often, and as soon as it becomes inconvenient for us, we just deter it and defer it to somebody else and maybe pay for it. But And in light of what they did for us, we give way too little attention to them when they become a burden. So sons and daughters, if you want to be righteous, if you want to be the wise son or daughter, be thinking ahead and planning financially in all sorts of ways beyond that. How will you honor your mother and father when they are old? How will you return the life-giving favor that they gave to you? So these verses were some scattershot examples from the Proverbs of just the contrast between a righteous and an unrighteous son, a wise and an unwise son. And so now we're going to move on to how that affects the parents. So we've seen an unwise son can destroy households, A wise son, though, honors God by honoring his father and mother, obeying, having discipline, and caring for them when they need. So, next section, let's look on how this can either stress or bless the parents of the children. Children, listen to these verses especially. A wise son makes a glad father, but a foolish son is sorrow to his mother. A wise son makes a glad father, but a foolish man despises his mother. A foolish son is grief to his father and bitterness to her who bore him. A foolish son is ruin to his father. I think Solomon's doing something on purpose here. I think he's going out of his way to tug at our heartstrings a little bit. So, Kids, young adults, think with me here of two realities, two things you might have experienced. Think of how you feel when you've made your father or your mother glad in you, rejoice over you, proud of you, not just because you won a game or something, but because you showed character, you were obedient, you were godly, you're growing in stature before the Lord in obedience to his word. Those are good feelings. Those are built into you to respond positively and get that positive reinforcement from your parents when you're blessed by their joy in you because of your joy and obedience. And you can use that as a source in a balanced way of motivation. But now think of the other side of how it affects a parent. A foolish son is sorrow to his mother. So I pray that most of you don't experience this. Some of you are going to experience this. And some of you have already experienced this, myself included. The sorrow, the grief, the pain of a mother or father brought on by foolishness and sin in your youth. Not some unhealthy checklist approval-based scowl, but genuine sadness from a parent who invested in you, loved you, 
expected more from you. When I was in my teenage years, the Lord preserved me from extreme and common heinous kinds of teenage sins, the typical ones, but one of the things he used to do that was the sorrow and the grief that it would cause my mother when I would even begin to stray off the path a little bit. Before God saved my mother, he blessed her with an acute consciousness that was very effective for me because I would see the sorrow in her. There's a handful of times, three or four, I'll never forget where I really messed up and I was really foolish in my youth and I just saw the pain it brought to my mother and I thought, I don't want to bring that to my mother. I want to honor my mother. Don't you want to avoid that, kids? Don't you want to not see that? And if you have seen it, don't you want to not ever see it or cause it again? Don't you want the next two verses? 23, 25, let your father and mother be glad. Let her who bore you rejoice. 27, 11, be wise, my son, and make my heart glad that I may answer him who reproaches me. Someone comes to me with a charge against my son, against my daughter, No, they have character. I know better. Make it so your father's able to say that. My son's not above sin, but he's above this reproach, and I can trust in his character. And then your father, in your wisdom, will rejoice. So children, you can use this as a motivation to stay the course, to walk the path, and to love wisdom. Now there's two more verses left to deal with. And that's going to explore the effects that wisdom or the lack of wisdom can have on the son or daughter themselves. First, for some context, we need to understand that under this covenant, there was a lot of black and white blessings and curses attached to things. So the blessing attached to obedience to your parents, honoring your parents, Exodus 20.12, honor your father and your mother that your days may be long in the land that the Lord, your God, is giving you. So under this covenant, in and out promises, black and white, honor your parents, you'll grow old, you'll see a ripe old age with prosperity in the land of Israel. But there were also curses attached if you didn't do that. Here's a couple from Proverbs 20.20 and 30.17. If one curses his father or his mother, his lamp will be put out in utter darkness. The eye that mocks a father and scorns to obey a mother will be picked out by the ravens of the valley and eaten by the vultures. If the fifth commandment is the first commandment with a promise, Ephesians 6.2, then it's also the first commandment with curses attached. No other commandment is visited with, with such tremendous threatening for disobedience. And well, yes, the sure fixed promises and blessings and curses were under the old covenant. This at least shows us a principle today that disobedience, lack of wisdom, and dishonoring your parents sets up a pattern of ruin in a self-destructive way that even if you don't see now, kids, young adults, you think it's wise now and you're just wiser than them, you will see the fruit and the ruin of it in the future. That's the pattern here. And how often, and you never think you're going to be that son or daughter. I'm only, I'm only 23, and I've already been that son or daughter. I'm not too, too far detached, but how often do children go back on some things they thought were right? 
Mom and Dad, you were right. I'm sorry. I didn't realize it. I should have listened. Dishonoring your parents is self-destructive and will bring ruin. So, we've seen some of what it looks like to be a righteous son or daughter. The impacts this has on the parents and on the child. But is that all? Is it as as simple as that, like the book of Proverbs makes it seem sometimes? Well, no, like we've already seen, the book of Proverbs, they're principles, not promises. This is general wisdom, how it's generally structured in in the world that God created, but these are not black and white promises. Not everyone can apply these verses to get the same outcome. So you might have noticed in going through these verses, I noticed in going through them, most of these exhortations and these commands and this wisdom depends on or implies that the child have a godly father or mother who is instructing them in the law of the Lord, who does love the Lord. You need that. If you're going to be instructed in the law of the Lord by a father and obey that, it implies that you have a father who loves the Lord and is instructing you in his law, and we don't all have that. Some of our parents just aren't around anymore. Some of us have estranged relationships with our parents. Some of us have relationships that feel a little, a little backwards, like we're the parent, more so, and like we're often giving advice to our father or mother. Some of us have parents who hate the Lord and his law, and it would be backwards from the Proverbs. If you are wise and you obey the law of the Lord, you won't bring gladness to your parents. You will bring hatred on yourself from your parents because they hate God and his ways so much. Obedience will bring them sorrow. So how can we all apply the wisdom from God's word today? How can we all obey this? Well, first, I want to point out that even with some of these more difficult scenarios, some of these harder parental situations, there's almost always still a way to honor your mother and father. We can't escape that. Even if we don't want to, even if we don't think it's appropriate, even if we can't always obey them or be led where they're leading us, we can always give them honor and respect, and it's going to take grace and the patience of the Holy Spirit, but it's possible. Watch how you speak to them. Don't put yourself above them and act like you're better than them because of the way that the Lord has blessed you. You'd be worse off than them if the Lord didn't have grace on you. Still choose to recognize that God chose them to give you life and be humbled by that. Go out of your way to keep a composure towards them that screams respect, whether they deserve it or not. Not because they deserve it, but because God commands you to do that. So that is one way. But even better than that, and even better than all of this that, that we've seen today, let me read you John 1.12. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Not everyone can say that they're a child of God, but 
EBC, we here who believe on his name and have received him, we can say we're children of the ultimate father who does love perfect wisdom, who is always there, who does always instruct us in the law of the Lord and is always pleased with righteousness and always rejoices in the wisdom of his children. And like Chris was saying a couple weeks ago, our earthly relationships, whatever we do have here on earth, they're just little paintings that point to the ultimate, the real thing with our heavenly father. So anyone who believes has a perfect father who does instruct them perfectly. He's always worthy to be obeyed in and of himself, no tension, and no one who believes is being cheated out of the real deal. And no one who believes is exempt from obeying the Proverbs that we've read today. Because you do have a father to obey and honor, no matter what. And that is so, so, so good, UBC. But if we're honest, if we're truthful in our reflection, we're all often the unwise son. We're all often scoffers at the ways of God. And we're all in some way despising wisdom in parts of our lives. And we have brought grief upon grief upon grief to our Heavenly Father with our sin, with our foolishness. And on our own, we bring far more sorrow to God than we do bring gladness to God. We come so short of being a righteous, wise son or daughter by God's standards. So, who is the godly son? Who honors the father perfectly? Who has understanding and has kept the law? Who is the one who loved wisdom? Who brings a glad heart of joy and rejoicing to the Father? There's one. There's one. Here again from our call to worship this morning. When Jesus was baptized, immediately he came up from the water, and behold, the heavens were opened to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending on him like a dove and coming to rest on him. And behold, a voice from heaven, the voice of the Father of us all, said, This is my beloved Son, and in him I am well pleased. There's one Son, and there's one Son alone in whom the Father is well pleased. And he brings the Father gladness and causes rejoicing, and no one can bring the reproach to the Father because of him. Our elder brother, Jesus Christ, he keeps the law. He always does what is pleasing to the Father, always. John eight twenty nine. But we don't measure up. Remember the warnings for those who dishonored their parents. Let me read them one more time. If one curses his father or mother, his lamp will be put out in utter darkness. The eye that mocks the father and scorns to obey the mother will be picked out by the ravens of the valley and eaten by the vultures. How much more severe is the punishment for disobeying the father of eternity? That fate and much worse should be ours. Our best obedience on its own is as good as cursing our Father in heaven. So how can we, how can us broken people, through Jesus, 
obey these proverbs and have our obedience as sons of the Father be rejoiced in? How can our broken obedience and works make him glad? Well, Jesus took that curse from Proverbs on the cross, and he took all of the curse from our disobedience, and he bore it in his own body, Galatians 3.13. And in doing that, he gives us all of his obedience, and he gives us all of the wisdom that he exercised and all of the law that he kept. And so now the Father can look at our broken obedience through the gospel, through what Jesus done, and Jesus purifies our broken obedience, and the Holy Spirit helps us to grow in it, and we can make the Father glad. There's a verse I love in Zephaniah, I will rejoice over you with great and loud singing. If you're in Christ, not because of you, but because the work of the gospel and because the wisdom of God manifest in Christ, you do have a Father who's glad in your wisdom and obedience, and he rejoices over you with great singing. So now the Father looks at us through Jesus and we bring him joy and remember the blessing from this obedience as well under the old covenant, the the eensy teensy temporal one, honor your father and mother that you may live long in the land. That's just a small promise in the old covenant compared to what Jesus purchases for us in the new covenant. Those of us who honor our heavenly father, our true father, we won't just live till we're 80 or 90 in a nice chunk of land in Israel, we will live forever and ever and ever on a new heavens and a new earth if we honor our Heavenly Father with faith and repentance through the gospel. And this is all thanks to Jesus who is the wisdom of God for us. And because of him, we have the power, the means, the example, and the forgiveness that we need to obey. So children and young adults, think of this in light of the gospel. Don't think of this just do and don't. Think of this in light of the gospel. Don't obey because you heard me say it in a sermon and you know it's technically the right thing to do and so you obey with a hard heart. Obey understanding that Jesus paid for every time that you didn't obey. And in him find the power and the example to obey mom and dad. To do your best to be a wise and godly son and daughter. And while you do that, pray for a heart that loves to do that. All of the wisdom and commands we've seen today, they're meant to be loved as much as they're meant to be obeyed. They're meant to be loved as much as they're meant to be obeyed. And all of us, Take advantage of the gospel of Jesus Christ to walk in righteousness and wisdom before our heavenly Father. That's what it's for. That's what the gospel does to us. And rejoice in what Jesus has done and use it to bring rejoicing to the Father. Now let's praise and sing to Jesus, the true righteous Son. Let's pray. Jesus, you are the one who loved wisdom. You kept the law. You are the son of understanding. Jesus, you are the praise of our lips. You are the hope of our souls. You are the wisdom of our minds. And you are so good. And you are everything we could not be. And the whole scripture speaks of you. 
And you are all of the truth from the Father given to us, and we thank you for that. Jesus, let us walk in a worthy manner of the calling which we have been called to wisdom. Father, help us with that. Father, thank you that you are our Heavenly Father. Thank you, Lord, for the temporal tastes of that ultimate relationship here, but but God, thank you that we can all thank you for the real thing and that we can glory in that, Lord, and that we have joy from that to give you joy. And I pray that we would think on these things, treasure them up in our hearts, and obey them. We ask this in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen.